0: Hello, and welcome to the MM&M podcast. This is Larry Dobrow. I'm MM&M's senior editor, and we've got a good one today. We have Tom Harrison, the co-founder of Harrison & Star, the uh, builder of Omnicom Health, um, the diversified agency services arm, and in about a month, the a new inductee to the Medical Advertising Hall of Fame. So uh, we're very much looking forward to this conversation. I've been harassing Tom to come in for a good couple of uh, months now, so this is long and coming. Um, before we get going, though, a couple of housekeeping-type items. Um, nominees for MMM's and Hall of Fem are due on Wednesday. Actually, I guess that's today. We're taping on Tuesday. It's due tomorrow, Wednesday, um, January 15th. Um, and after that, our Healthcare Marketers Survey will be going live probably on Friday, and anybody who's listening out there that would like to fill that out, we would love to hear from you. All right, so let's get to the good stuff. Tom, thank you for coming in, and welcome. Thanks for the invitation, and I'm sorry it took so long to get here. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's funny because there were a couple, you know, when we started the podcast last year. There were certain people that we knew we wanted to speak with, and, you know, you were certainly sure. on that list. But then, of course, you know, we did a couple of them, and they're like, well, hey, I'm in New York. I got to come in. Like, so anyway, we're glad to have, uh, glad to be no, knocking one thank off the original my list. My pleasure. My Whatever. pleasure. All right. Let, let's start with uh, the Medical Advertising Hall of Fame. Yes. Um I yeah, I know you found out about it I believe it was in October or November. Mm-hmm, I did. Um talk us uh talk us through that. When you got the call, how you felt. Um
1: yeah, like you on. know I think the, I think the original feeling was um maybe a little bit disbelief, mm-hmm. you know, at this point. Uh and then the more I thought about it over the days, um you know, I started looking over the landscape of the people who have been inducted before me, people who have Really built the this this industry, visioned the industry, um, allowed it to become a very agile industry. Really prepared the industry for many of us who have come after them. And when I think that you know my name is going to be placed alongside their names, um, it, it's really uh, not just a good feeling, but it, it 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 it's a very emotional feeling for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, how did you find out? Was it a phone call? Did you get a letter? Actually, what's that? <laughs> I actually think I actually got a uh, phone call from
1: Harrison and Starr, okay. and uh, they said, "Listen, uh, you've been nominated. Don't know what's going to happen with the nomination." Mm-hmm. But assuming that all the letters come in positive, and hopefully they will, mm-hmm. you'll be inducted. Okay. And so you hear that and you go, oh, my gosh, I hope the letters
0: are good. <laughs> and <laughs> who, uh, who writes those letters, just out of curiosity?
1: Well, it's, many times it's either the partners that you've had in the business or it's people that you've worked with, lives that you've touched, clients that you've touched over the years. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of different, uh, different people.
0: Right. Um, the ceremony itself, I believe it's, what, February February 6th. February so six. it's in a couple weeks. Yes. Um, Coming with a full uh, <clears throat> contingent, the entire uh, Team Harrison come in? Or? Well,
1: you know, uh, the family is very happy about this. They're right. very proud of their dad and their husband.
0: And uh, and so we'll have a full table. That's great. All right. Let's go back to the very beginning. Um, you yes. know, we've talked for a story that we'll be running <laughs> in the um, February issue of um, M&M. But um, what I found interesting and what I didn't know, even though we've spoken many times before, was that your career started in the lab. It did. It did.
1: So I'm a cell biologist and physiologist. Um, I actually trained at West Virginia University, worked on my doctorate there. And uh, while I was uh, in my lab one day, my, uh, my advisor came in and he talked to me and he goes, you know, he goes, I've been watching you, observing you in your lab for the past three years. And he goes, your research is good. Everything is perfectly fine, but you're not the normal scientist. He said, you know, I see people coming in and you sit and you talk with them, you counsel them, and they go away and they're happy and they come back for more. He said, "Um, do what you want with this. He said, but if I were you, I would do something in an industry That's complimentary to your your medical and clinical background and just kind of get out of the institution here and go make some money. Mm -hmm. And uh, one thing led to another and I ended up becoming a uh,
0: professional sales manager. At, uh, at Pfizer. When you hear, you know, you're not the typical scientist, yeah. was that was yeah. there an inclination to almost take that as a little bit of a slight at first? Oh, I,
1: absolutely. I thought, you know, what does that really mean? You know, am I doing something wrong? Is my research not good? Uh, am I going to make this or not? Mm-hmm. And he assured me after I was asking all these questions over the weeks uh, that everything was really fine and uh, no problems whatsoever. But Think about your long-term career. And I remember the quote. He said, you know, you can stay in university and make $13,200 a year. He said, I actually
0: don't think that's Tom Harrison. Thirteen two hundred, huh? Yeah, 13, thirteen. Hey, that was a lot of money when you're a graduate student. Yeah, yeah, you know, but at the same time, the fact that the number stuck with you oh, and obviously yeah. left uh, yeah. left an impression. It sure did. <laughs> um, when you went over to Pfizer, um, I know you started as a rep, but yes. um, quickly, I think yes. you had told me um, you almost started teaching other reps before too long. Um, tell me well, a little bit about well, the I evolution. Did, you know, um,
1: in the district that that I was in in Baltimore, Maryland, it was a very um, High science, very clinical district. We had Johns Hopkins, Hopkins. Uh, there, Baltimore, Greater Baltimore Medical Center, um, no, none, a number of other institutions of higher learning and med schools. And they really wanted people there who could speak the language, identify with the doctors, understand what their needs were. And I came in with really no sales experience whatsoever, but a lot of science experience. Um, very clinically oriented background and, and, um, it it was interesting at that time Pfizer had 684 territories in the country and mine was number 684. It could (laughs) not have gone any lower. And I suspect that my, my boss, his name was Bob Hall, uh, said to himself, "Hey, listen, I can hire this high science guy. If it doesn't work out, the territory is not going to get any better, any worse." <laughs> and and so, actually, what happened um, over the course of about seven months, it went from 684 to number one, and it did it just because of, you know, my clinical acumen. I could talk the language of the doctors that were in my territory. I could relate to their patients and talk to them about. Where to use my products and maybe where not to use my products and where to use a competitive product. And they loved that. And so your credibility really goes skyrocketing when something like that happens. And yeah, as I always said to my boss, they're writing my products with both hands.
0: Um, what was it? The, was there a triggering event that prompted you to leave that world and to move into the agency world? Or was it just a matter of like, well, it's you know, time for me to do something different? No.
1: You know, it's interesting. All along my career path, which has been really a remarkable career, um, it, it's, it's just things that people say to me, like my advisor at WVU. Think about going out into, into the industry and make a little bit more money than you're going to make here. And here was a gentleman who who was at another agency and who kept talking to me about going into the agency business. He said, man, he said, you wouldn't make a great account person. Mm -hmm. He said, because you've had sales rep experience, you've got product management experience now.
0: Well, certainly you've also got the science. I've,
1: I've got the science. And he said, you really should think about it. And I brushed it off for a while. And then the more I thought about it, and then the more I watched him working on behalf of me and my brands at Pfizer, the more I sort of liked what I was seeing. And um, I remember a lot of conversations with my wife about, you know, leaving Pfizer and going into healthcare advertising. And, you know, I'm a scientist. I wasn't a marketer. I wasn't a strategist by any means, unless it was scientific strategy. And it was a whole new world. But... But this message sort of reverberated in my mind over and over and over again. And um, I I just decided to take the leap. And, you know, I ended up with an agency called Rolf Werner-Rosenthal, medium-sized agency at the time. Um, Phenomenal agency, unbelievably creative, high science like my background. Um, And Rolf, um, I think I shared with you when we talked before, um, there's not too many Ralph Rosenthal's in this industry. Uh, just a gentleman and a gentleman, and incredibly talented, honorable, fair. And, you know, all of that sort of, sort of got into my mind. If I were to ever have my own agency or if I were to run Rosenthal, I would want to do it the way he does it because it's really working. And they had great brands. They kept winning brands. And uh, you know, just one thing after another showed me that I had made the right decision going to that agency. And again, one thing led to another, and I kept getting promoted, and that was a good thing—never bad. Uh, and and uh, left there, shy of the president of the agency, and started my own agency.
0: Um, walk me through that decision. Um, sure, starting Harrison and Star. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, in in a way, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, we've talked about this before. Harrison the star was kind of ahead of its time in terms mm-hmm. of the scientific infusion that it gave you know everything not just sure. accounts that called for it but you know even you know ones that previously really didn't have as much of the scientific story yeah. tell, even, tell even
1: potassium supplements there, there, exactly that, you exactly. know we we brought a clinical view into what cap, uh, potassium supplementation is all about mm-hmm. and you know sales skyrocketed so so how did it happen? Um, so along my journey at Rosenthal's agency, I met Larry Starr, I, I met Debbie Wiener, I met Jed Beitler, uh, all of whom became eventually my partners at Harrison and Starr, and that was Harrison Starr, Wiener, and Beitler for a while. And um, after a couple of years working in the agency, you know, Larry and I started talking, well, how do you feel about starting your own agency? And we talked about this for years before we actually did anything about it. And I think the, 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 the impetus there for me was Larry left the agency and went with another agency as its creative director. So he was the number one creative person in that agency. And all I could think about was, man, did I miss this opportunity mm-hmm. to start our own agency. Because I pretty much knew I wanted to start the agency with Larry just because of the way we work together uh, at Rosenthal. And I remember um, uh, thinking and rethinking this, and I, I called him up after a couple months, and I said, listen, Larry, I said, we, we've talked about this for a couple of years. I know that you've left. I know that you're happy. You think there's a chance that we could actually go out and do this? And he thought about it, and uh, not long after he called me back, and he goes, uh, yeah let's do this sure. and and so I, I left first and started the agency and then after a while once I got everything operational uh, and had a little bit of money in the bank uh, went out and hired Larry as the creative director and partner first partner in the agency and that's how we started and um, I think we existed for about a year and a half just on small projects I mean really small projects but it allowed us to get our agency model together, how we were going to be representing our clients. And the small, the small projects that we had, we totally overserviced them in terms of hourly rate and things like that. And but we but we did everything we did with this scientific, um, very creative view into the brand. And understanding how physicians were prescribing or not prescribing the brand, mm-hmm. and um, y- you know, word got around that this is a really small startup, but boy, they do good work. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, one day, uh, and I think I shared this with you, getting a uh, phone call out of the blue from Squib when it was Squib before it was Bristol Myers Squib, and the lady on the other end of the phone. Um, introduced herself, told me who she was, said that they were looking for an agency that has antibiotic experience, and that she had understood from a space rep that we knew something about antibiotics. And they had launched a product a year before. It was not a successful launch, and they needed to turn it around. And would we be interested? And well, the answer is absolutely. Yeah, we're interested. I'll call you
0: back in four minutes. And and,
1: uh, and and then the next question came was, well, how many people are in your agency? And I proudly said five. And there was this dead silence. I'll never forget it. And she came back and said, well, you know, Squibb usually likes to deal with bigger agencies than startup five people agencies. She said, but you do have a good reputation. She said, I'm going to discuss with, this with the brand team see what happens and if they're interested I'll call you back at two o'clock well we didn't go out to lunch we didn't want to miss <laughs> the call if in fact it came and lo and behold at two o'clock phone call came it was Mary and she said uh, listen I don't believe this I don't understand it but they want you to come in so we did and uh, we did our capabilities presentation which was pretty light at that point in time mm-hmm but we did feature everything that we had worked on in the past year and a half and the scientific underpinnings of our understanding of that, those market spaces. And uh, they asked us to to make the presentation, but we would be presenting against the incumbent agency and two other very large agencies. And Larry and I looked at each other and what do we have to lose? You know, and we did. And, um, It was uh, January, I remember, a very cold and wet day. And Larry and I made the drive down to Squibb. We made the presentation. We were both so incredibly nervous we couldn't even turn our necks. We had to turn our whole bodies. And uh, we won. And it was, the story became the smallest agency had the biggest idea. And uh, it was one of the only times I think, that I could ever recall, that what we presented ended up as what was in the books. Mm-hmm. And they made very, very few changes, maybe a couple commas here and there. But what we presented is what they went with. And it was very controversial at the time. Uh, what we did but it won the day and it built the brand.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, How quickly after that did you staff up? It was fairly I mean well
1: yeah I mean we were (laughs) five people one of whom was you know uh, uh, the receptionist and the other was uh, someone to count the money which we didn't have (laughs) Uh, so it was basically Larry and I and a traffic person is what it was so we had to, uh, to to staff up but we did it very methodically we kind of knew that I was going to be the account person, I was going to live there, and I was really going to do what I do uh, when I represent a brand, and Larry was going to be the chief creator. But what we really needed were people back at the agency doing the things that we would have normally done in the agency while we are visible to clients. So we hired a few people, and and then, you know, we got another call, and another client said, can you come out? And talk to us we hear great things about your small agency and we won that and we staffed up a little bit more and that was about the time we had you know enough wherewithal if you will to, to bring Debbie Wiener into the partnership and she uh, is just a phenomenal creative person uh, and then shortly after that we landed another piece of business and brought Jed into the business uh, then it became Harrison Star Wiener and Weitler And then it just became, you know, one product after another, after another. And then all of a sudden, um, uh, we became the first healthcare advertising agency that ever won medical advertising news agency of the year. Um, And I remember the, 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 the front cover of that. It just says hot uh, and a picture of all four of us, which is actually framed in, in my office at home. And, um, and you know, it then kind of history just went and did what it did. We just kept growing and growing and uh, uh, became recognized by holding companies and were approached by many of them to acquire us. And we weren't quite ready yet And then Omnicom came along and um, just had a a beautiful story. They really were interested in the healthcare space. Uh, They wanted to build out the healthcare space and became a great opportunity for me, as you pointed out. Um, And I think uh, about five and a half years into the agency, we were acquired. Um, And then shortly after that, they asked if I would come up and run diversified agency services, which I did. For 17 years and and uh, it was a really successful fun time
0: um, those first conversations <clears throat> with Omnicom um, how would you characterize yeah. them how do you what was their approach that sold you yeah. more than some of the other potential suitors
1: you know it's it, it, it's it's interesting and as and I've thought about this obviously quite a lot and I think when John Wren came in to, to meet me in our offices downtown Harrison star offices downtown what what I knew what I recognized with him was, he was really very interested in healthcare. Now maybe he did his due diligence the morning before the meeting. Who absolutely knows? But he knew enough about it that I knew that he was really interested in building out a healthcare portfolio. Now at the time, uh, they had I think two other agencies in their fold, um, and you know he was looking for someone to. Come in and um, sit atop those agencies, not run them day to day, but give management oversight and kind of do with them what I had been doing at Harrison and Starr and really looking strategically into the marketplace and where the marketplace is going, not looking in the rearview mirror as to where we've been. And, um, you know, the story, the Omnicom story was just a really good, probably positive story, and and you know we we got down to to finances and um, truth be told uh, we had had other offers, but we never had an offer that was equivalent to the offer that Omnicom forward. Now that doesn't mean that they overpaid for the agency because they didn't and they don't do that. So say
0: history bore out that it worked out pretty well for everybody.
1: But, but, you know, when you do your diligence and look at all the agencies that they had been buying and look at how the people who come into Omnicom, the entrepreneurs do well, uh, they're very highly regarded and they're not coming down on you and saying, well, now that you're part of Omnicom, this is how you're going to run the agency because I made it very clear to, to Omnicom to John Wren that I wasn't looking for anyone to help me run my agency because I was doing it very well. Thank you very much. Um, and he, um, he he, uh, assured me that we would not have that kind of interference. I mean, yes, there'd be financial accountability, but he's not going to tell us how to run our business. And I have to tell you, he never suggested how we would run the business. Mm And so it was a, I got to say, it was an incredibly good marriage, great decision on our part to be acquired when we were acquired.
0: And I'd do it all over again
1: with Omnicom. Yes.
0: <laughs> Wouldn't do it with many, but I would do it with Omnicom. Um, when you formally you went to in, into the Omnicom job. Yeah. Yes. Um, what I mean, you, you know, you discussed this now a little bit, but your mandate was, you know, obviously take what we have and, you know, grow it, but also... Acquire, expand. Um, mm-hmm. Walk me through the acquisition um, yeah. story because you obviously acquired one or two companies over the course of your tenure. Yeah, I mean,
1: <laughs> over the course of my tenure, uh, we acquired well over 200 agencies around the world. Now, not all in the healthcare and, and wellness space, uh, but a lot of them um, were there, and we built out, uh, you know, a portfolio of healthcare companies that at the time. Uh, I can't speak to it today because I don't know the finances of it today. Uh, but at the time, it was it, it itself. Our healthcare portfolio was the largest healthcare holding company in the industry, and we had put a lot of incredibly good, creative, competitive brands around it. And, and I and I remember um, I remember one of the big issues that I had to face as the guy at Omnicom who was acquiring these agencies and had come out of Harrison and star, you know, would I be acquiring these healthcare agencies and all of the good stuff and clients and everything that would go to Harrison and star at the expense of, of the other agencies. And so I had to prove to people who the CEOs and the entrepreneurs whose companies we were acquiring, I was acquiring, because they were actually buying me. Mm-hmm. you know, They weren't buying oncom, they were buying me, if you will. And I had to assure them that this was Switzerland, and I wouldn't favor Harrison and Star. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't direct clients to Harrison and Star at the expense of other agencies. And uh, we would go after this and build the portfolios together. And I think you could probably... Um, Consult with any of the companies that I acquired, and I think they would say that I was incredibly fair to everybody. Um, To that end. Even at, probably at the expense of Harrison's, (laughs) because I wanted to bend over backwards to do what I said I I was going to say, you
0: you have to make, it becomes an optics thing to a certain extent. It it was an optics thing, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, obviously there were so many organizations that you acquired, but were were there certain traits that you looked for? Mm -hmm. I mean, did you go sometimes for a specific area of expertise? Did you go for a specific creative ability or was it some combination depending on where you were at that moment? Well,
1: you know, it was always a combination, but, but I've always been someone who um, I think has the ability to kind of read the tea leaves and, and understand where the industry is going. And therefore, if I understand or believe I understand where it's going, that gives me an indication of what I should be out there looking at to acquire, Or what I should be doing organically within the walls of the agencies that we already had to help them prepare for this thing that might be coming down the pike in two years or three years or five years. And and so when you think about that and you begin reading the tea leaves and understanding sort of the direction that you want your healthcare portfolio to take, then you think about the criteria that you're looking for in the agencies that you're going to be potentially acquiring. And to me, culture was really important. And, and I always said to the, uh, the founders of the companies that I was looking to acquire, if you're not someone that I actually want to go out to dinner with and sit next to at a Broadway show, you're probably not someone who I want to be in business with. And that served me very, very well. Because when you look at culture, what you really want is an entrepreneurial culture. Because, like, I didn't want Omnicom to interfere with me. I didn't want to inter- interfere with how they were running their agency and the DNA of their agencies. And I also knew that if I was going to be acquiring sequentially, I wasn't going to have the time, the bandwidth, to be able to go in and run all of these companies. Could I strategically counsel them? Absolutely, all day long. But I couldn't sit in their chair and run their business. I didn't have the time. So, so a, an entrepreneurial culture was incredibly important to me creatively how they managed their accounts and the brands was very important for me to understand. Um, I I really wanted to understand their partnership with the clients that they had, how long that partnership had already existed. Was it three months or was it three years or was it 10 years? And of course, you know, the longer the tenure in my mind, the better because that was a more solid piece of, of, of business. And, you know, certainly, you know, financial acumen, you know, I looked for that. You know, I didn't want to acquire a company that was losing money. I wanted to acquire a company that was making money. But I also didn't want to acquire a company that was running hot. And what that really meant was an agency that was really looking to sell itself because there was something underlying in the business that wasn't exactly right. And so they cut staff, created margin, And they looked like they were doing well. So the balance sheet was very important to me uh, in addition to the client roster. Uh, And and then uh, the things that were very important to me were looking for agencies that might offer clients something that we weren't already offering a client uh, or um, uh, an agency that was working with a client that I really wanted to have in our portfolio. Um, or you know, one that was just doing something totally different from what we did, that it made sense to acquire in that direction, and then move our portfolio in that direction. So it was a learning process for me, as much as it was for the companies I was acquiring.
0: Um, when, when you look back, um, you know, obviously where you know Omnicom Health was when yeah. you know you arrived, <laughs> and you know yeah. when you when you, you know, formally departed. Yeah. Um, what what are the things that give you the most satisfaction and sort of the flip side of that as well. What are maybe the one or two regrets or disappointments or frustrations mm-hmm. that you have looking back? Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So so I think looking back on it and looking back at the companies that um, believed in me and believed in Omnicom, we were able to acquire a lot of really good, well-recognized, reputable brands into the Omnicom healthcare franchise, if you will. And, and I, I think th- the positives about that were how they interacted with me, how they sought my advice, how I interacted with them, again, the counsel that I was able to provide them. Uh, it was always rewarding to, to watch how they went after business uh, creatively and strategically and um, sometimes asked for my help, most times didn't. <laughs> um, Uh, it it was also encouraging to me to watch the development of the companies under the Omnicom umbrella, because I think every, every one of the agencies that we acquired, including Harrison and Star, got significantly bigger as a part of Omnicom than they would have ever done on their own. And I think that was sort of John Wren's promise to me. You know, we'll put the things around you that you're not going to be able to get to quick enough for your clients. And run back to the Harrison and Star experience. We were not global at all. We were uh, only domestic. And um, um, they put enough resource around us that we were able to become global very quickly.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, In terms of some of the... Um, you know, it's interesting. One of the comments that you said earlier, I believe, talking about Rolf was, you know, he was a gentleman, but he was also a gentleman. And yes. I think, you know, your reputation has been yeah. akin to that as well. Thank um, you. Your professional legacy, when you look back on the occasion of this induction in a couple of weeks, what are the things that, uh, how do you want to be remembered? You, you know, um, the other day I read
1: something that, that sticks with me. And it basically says um, the, the measure of a life is um, how much impact you have on others. It's not what you acquire or what you can buy or what stuff. you It's not stuff. It's the impact that you have on others. And when I think back on my career and just some of the things that people who I've had the pleasure of working alongside over my 40-some years in this industry. Um, And thinking about what they said, you know, I think I've touched a number of lives in a very positive way and a number of careers in a very substantial and positive way. And if you just do that once, that's a good legacy.
0: Amen. All right. I know that you have, you're continuing your legacy. Uh, we promise yeah. we get you out of here in time <laughs> to, uh, to your next <laughs> you got engagement. Go to my board meeting. But let's, uh, let's finish off with a yeah, little bit sure, of a lightning sure. round. Yeah. Um, just a couple of quick questions. Yeah. When you think about today, you know, you look at the uh, marketing landscape, who in your mind are some of the most effective communicators and marketers, whether in health or elsewhere?
1: In terms of just agency names,
0: agency or, names, uh, big picture names, small picture names, anybody you
1: yeah, any got? Yeah, well, um, when I think about the healthcare space, you know, certainly my agency, Harrison Star, yeah. continues to do incredibly well, and really continues to to bring in that high science and high creative aspect to everything that they
0: do. I mean, even as, as the model is copied many many times over, even as the model has copied, you know.
1: Uh, when you copy something, the original kind of gets just a little bit clearer and a little bit more in focus, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that's good. I mean, when you when you look across different industries, whether it's the, the digital industry, whether it's the automotive industry, the airline industry, the fast-moving consumer goods industry, companies like Procter & Gamble, companies like Pepsi, mm-hmm. uh, the, these are companies that just everything they touch, they do really well, mm-hmm. Um, and and then you look at what's happening across many of the industries today, and they're looking at, um, sustainability and purpose. And I know everyone talks about purpose until people are blue in the face with it. And it's not talking about it. It's actually doing something about it. Uh, but just this morning, uh, or actually last night, uh, the founder of Blackstone came out with his annual letter. And he's talking about sustainability. And all of their investments moving forward will be companies that have something to do with global sustainability. And they're going to get out of the ones that aren't. Mm-hmm. And so I think when we think about that in this healthcare industry, as purposeful as this industry is in terms of doing good for so many people uh, health wise. We also have to do good in terms of the environment and the earth and sustainability. And I think whether we're on the service side, like I have been, or whether, we have, whether we're on the manufacturer side, as I had been, and there's so many in this industry in, we've got to think about sustainability because there are generations who are coming after us that we have to protect.
0: Amen.
1: So to me, I think that's one of the most important things that we have to look at in this industry. There are others, and we'll talk. We can talk about those another day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, your daily uh, reading regimen. Um, yeah. Who do you read? Um, what do you make? A- I read a lot
1: of management books. Mm-hmm. I still read leadership books. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I, TED Talks. I love yeah, listening. Great. I love listening to TED Talks. Um, I love looking at Chief Executive Magazine because I learn a lot about. Um, leadership in different industries because they cover literally every industry inside and outside of healthcare um, because i'm on a number of public boards and private boards um, i read a uh, corporate board member which is a, a publication um, and i read that because of good board governance you know if i'm going to be on a board i want to govern it correctly do it right uh, do it right or don't do it mm-hmm. Um and uh couple newspapers and then every now and then read stuff that's kind of uh for fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> every last now qu- and then I have fun.
0: <laughs> uh last question for you. sure. We started with the medical advertising hall of fame. Let's end there. Yeah. Um who are some of the executives who are you know currently, whether at Omnicom Shops or anywhere else that uh, you think should be in there someday. Are there any uh, people that jump out at you?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, the, the first that jumps out to me right away is Larry Starr. Yeah. Um, uh, I think Jed Beitler should be in it. Um, uh, I think Ed Wise at some point in time should mm-hmm. be inducted into this. Uh, I know my good friend Charlene was in, Prunus was inducted last year, and I think that was a mm-hmm. great induction. Um, Dana Mayman. I think, uh, would be top of my mind as well. Because she's just done an incredible job where she's at. She really has. And she was a loss to Harrison and Star,
0: too. Yeah. Always <laughs> missed her and always told
1: her she could come back. And she didn't.
0: Well, <laughs> you know, hey, you know, still time, right? Well, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Tom, I can't thank you enough for coming in thank here. You. This was, you know, these are the kind of conversations we like to have the most. So, uh, it's been you. a
1: lot of fun, and you made it fun. Thank you very all much. Right,
0: and we will uh, come over and uh, give you a toast at the uh, induction dinner Taste in a couple it. of weeks. I
1: look forward to it very all much. Right. So, all right, terrific.
0: Thanks to Tom Harrison for coming in today. This has been the MM&M podcast. I'm Larry Dohr. Thank you very much, and uh, hope to uh, see you soon.